Good morning, everybody. Welcome back to For Pod's Sake with Sean Callahan. You ever get that weird feeling when you're out having a conversation, maybe at a cafe with someone, that maybe the person just behind you on the table is actually listening to every word you're saying? It's awful. Nobody likes eavesdroppers. If you're an eavesdropper, stop doing it. It's not your conversation, okay? And there's uh, quite a few people this morning who would share that sentiment. Because an international coalition of law enforcement officials, again, this is from the Washington Post, uh, have announced that they've ensnared about 800 criminals around the world um, who were caught using phones with an app on it that they believed was encrypted to share their messages about uh, arms shipments and drug dealing and all this other stuff. Uh, but the app was actually run by the FBI. Dun, dun, dun. So it's actually a pretty wild story. Um, the FBI created, basically created an app called Anom, which was these kind of like a WhatsApp for, with encrypted messaging. And while the messages were encrypted, every text or, or picture or any transmission from these sort of uh, criminal masterminds and uh, drug lords and everything else, it would go to the recipient and it would also, a copy would be made and be given to the FBI. So this is uh, a partnership, coincidentally enough, with uh, Sydney, uh, or excuse me, Australian law enforcement officials, American, uh, quite a few countries in Europe, who have all been in on this for the past three years. So um, what they got was an insight into, you know, the conversations of all of these criminal networks. Uh, People planned illegal drug shipments. They shared photos of how they actually smuggled the drugs, which is probably not the best idea. Uh, They plotted robberies. They put out uh, contracts for uh, assassinations and, and, you know, gang killings. And so cops essentially around the world are just are just, ooh, they're just shuddering with glee, you know, and just uh, wiping the powder uh, from their lips from uh, eating those those donuts in the morning, and they could just barely contain their excitement because they, uh, they've arrested more than 800 people. And they've gotten a, a sort of an unprecedented understanding into how a lot of these criminal networks actually function. Um... So it was one of the largest and most sophisticated law enforcement operations uh, to date. Uh, and it included uh, 27 European Union countries, as well as obviously the United States and Australia. So uh, what they did was they had these sort of custom cell phones, which were bought on the black market. And they were installed with the FBI-controlled platform called Anam, And... That circulated and grew in popularity uh, amongst these criminals and high-profile <clears throat> sort of criminal organizations because they would vouch for its integrity. Um, what they did was the FBI actually dismantled some encrypted platforms, which the criminals used to use to communicate, and then they would infiltrate others. And But this time, they actually decided to market um, their own encrypted app uh, to target organized crime. 
uh, to target drug traffickers and money launderers all around the world. Um, and the FBI uh, actually sort of joined up with the Australian police because they uh, they met back in 2018, uh, according to the Washington Post, over a couple of beers. Yeah, yeah, good mate. Smash a couple of tinnies. You have a couple of twoies new, a couple of VBs, cold. And uh, yeah, get some of these criminals behind bars, eh? Um, so the Australians... They built the technical capability to access, decrypt, and read the communications on the FBI's platform. And so while these criminals, again, thought they were using a secure app, which is pretty, pretty hilarious, uh, every message was just going to the feds. And they've all inadvertently kind of ratted each other out because any messages they were sending to each other, they've outed each other. Um, and... So the operation, it was known as a Special Operation Ironside in Australia, and it was called Trojan's Shield in the United States and Europe. And it's exposed uh, links to uh, South American drug cartels, uh, triad groups in Asia, criminal syndicates based in the Middle East and Europe. And uh, there was a total of 17 countries who all joined together in this effort. Uh, and from this... You know, they've had raids all around the world simultaneously. They've impounded more than eight tons of cocaine, 22 tons of marijuana and hash, two tons of methamphetamine and amphetamine, 250 uh, firearms, 55 luxury cars, and over $48 million in cash and in cryptocurrencies. So there was more than... 9,000 cops involved in this. And they had to go through about 27 million messages that were uh, sent over the app over the past 18 months. Um, and it, it's very interesting, some of the stuff that they figured out, that they would be smuggling cocaine inside of pineapples, inside of canned goods. Um, you know, they would they would see the photos because these these uh, criminals would send them to each other thinking they were encrypted. Um, yeah, they found, you know, hundreds of kilos of cocaine that were in, in canned goods and they're getting an insight into how they were kind of smuggling the stuff, how they were getting past uh, the country's defenses. And they uh, they're just, you know, overjoyed this morning. But what would happen is <clears throat> these criminals they would pay about you know fifteen hundred or or two thousand dollars for a six month service plan uh, on this phone, and they would you know <clears throat> think they're in this secure environment, but all of their codes and all their messages <clears throat> were just getting broken down. You know they had one message which is quote. There is two kilos put inside French diplomatic sealed envelopes. Uh, and this was out of Bogota, Colombia. Only issue is that COL takes 50 slash four partners, including yourself, will need to split the other 50. So essentially, um, you know, the Colombian distributors, they get 50% of the profits of the cocaine shipments hidden inside the diplomatic pouches. And then four other people split the rest. Uh, in Australia, uh, the police use the information to seize 3.7 tons of drugs, 104 weapons, and $35 million in cash. And 
in Sweden, they actually were able to, um, you know, prevent sort of a, a, a murder attempt or an assassination attempt where they were going to kill five people inside of a cafe. Um, and, uh, you know, 70, uh, 70 people have been arrested there. But they were going to, uh, you know, set off even bombs in the middle of uh, Swedish society. So on the face of it, right, on the headline, it's gleeful, it's joyful, it's interesting. Oh, wow, we got these guys. We got these bad guys. But let's zoom back a little bit and, and look at the sort of bigger picture of this. Why? And I say that meaning I'm not pro-criminal. I'm not pro-drug, but why are we spending this amount of resources and so for them to quote that they seized a couple million or whatever it is, pounds of marijuana? Why are we fighting this war on drugs? Really, think about that. Over 9,000 police officers, probably millions of dollars spent in order to do this to seize a weed which grows in the in, in the ground a weed that has never killed anybody a weed whose therapeutic use can actually replace uh harsh opioids which are killing people that people are overdosing from and who are ruining their lives on these prescription medications and yet we're fighting a war on drugs using law enforcement resources to seize Marijuana. Let's put aside cocaine for a second. Let's put aside weapons. Let's put aside, you know, meth and harsh things and just focus on that to begin with. So, you know, the, the logic is, oh, these are bad guys. Why are they bad guys? Well, they sell drugs and because they sell drugs, they need weapons. And when they have weapons, they wound up uh, in this, you know, black market economy, having rivals who want to take the money that they're earning, and that, uh, you know, will involve violence and probably murders. So all of this ripple effect of criminality begins with the fact that drugs are an illegal entity, and the reason that we say that drugs should be illegal is because this is what we've been taught that there's such a damaging uh, product in society that we need to keep them illegal to keep us safe. But here's the thing. People have been using drugs for thousands of years. Thousands. You can look it up. They actually found on an archaeological dig what was essentially, they didn't really call it that, they called it, a, I think, a water pipe, but it was a bong. And they found it in China, and it was 5,000 years old in an archaeological dig. Go and Google that and you'll find it. So we know for at least that length of time, people have been uh, using, for just in this example, marijuana. And again, we pour all these resources into fighting these people when we, we've been using drugs for thousands of years. So... This law enforcement effort, this big, um, you know, operation, it's lauded for its, you know, its unique ideas. The fact that they were able to infiltrate and use this own encrypted app. And now that's going to be used as a scare tactic for all future, you know, criminals. Oh, well, don't use that. It might be an FBI app, you know, puts the seeds of doubt into all their communications. And yeah, it'll be very disruptive. 
Yes, they've had tremendous gains. They've gotten a lot of higher up people. But that doesn't solve the problem. Those people will be replaced. Because this is the war that we've been fighting since 1972 when Richard Nixon said that he wanted to declare a war on drugs. And there was efforts before that. And the, the reason I'm saying this is my master's degree thesis was on uh, elements of the war on drugs. But it was essentially how the CIA would utilize drug traffickers to help them in their covert operations. So if you'd like to look it up, if you're in New York and you stumble into the uh, Brooklyn College campus, a campus in Flatbush, New York, in Brooklyn, go into the political science department and on file in the year 2008 will be a master's thesis written by yours truly, Sean Callahan. And it's called The U.S. War on Drugs, a cover for clandestine operations during the Cold War. And so in my thesis, I spell out over over the entirety of the Cold War into even into the 90s. While American taxpayers would be spending money to fund the DEA, the Drug Enforcement Agency, to try and disrupt drug traffickers doing this very thing, trying to disrupt the networks, trying to arrest the bad guys and, uh, you know, get the drug dealers off the streets and put them behind bars while our taxpayer dollars were going to, to fund that organization so they could do these operations at the very same time where our taxpayer dollars were also going to the Central Intelligence Agency, the CIA. And CIA does a lot of dirty work. And a lot of things that they did, especially down in, in around Southeast Asia and in the Middle East, is they would do things that were less than legal, let's say. And the CIA, for example, would use mercenary armies to help in, say, the Vietnam War and, and pay, you know, people in certain areas in Laos, Cambodia to try and fight the North Vietnamese. And those people themselves were drug cultivators. And not only did the CIA look the other way and say, all right, well, these guys are clearly uh, cultivating, you know, poppy and clearly producing heroin and selling it, even selling it to our own soldiers who are overdosing, which is uh, another, you know, unseen aspect of the Vietnam War, the amount of soldiers who actually got addicted to heroin while fighting in Vietnam. We're going to look not only look the other way at them doing it because we need them to fight our dirty, uh, dirty wars and dirty tactics. Uh, and we're going to use them as a mercenary army. Not only are we going to look the other way, we're actually going to allow them to put their bricks of heroin on our airplanes. This is, you know, this is you can look this all up. This is all verifiable. This is all fact. This isn't conspiracy theory. This is facts that will use. They can use our airplanes to fly their heroin out of Vietnam. And we're going to just we're literally going to we're going to look over in this direction over here. Let me just turn my head. You go ahead and just put all those bricks, file them into the, the airplane, put a sheet over it so I don't see it. And uh, off we go. And so the CIA would give logistical support. They would look the other way. They would um, do all types of things which aided drug traffickers. So people are spending money in their taxpayer dollars to fight a war on drugs, and they're spending taxpayer dollars to, to sort of fight uh, a war on, on terrorism. Because in my thesis, I draw an analogy between the, the, the war on terrorism and the war on drugs and how similar they both are. And that's how I conclude my thesis in the sense of this is still going on. You're still 
you know, the United States is still turning a blind eye to the opium uh, cultivation in Afghanistan using, you know, tribal warlords for intelligence, things like that, who are known drug traffickers, paying these people, giving them logistical support. So it's like we're trying to fill up uh, a bathtub, but the plug isn't in. And the water is just going out the bottom. But we keep pouring water in, keep pouring it in, keep pouring it in for decades now. We've been doing this for over 50 years. And this is just another example where it gets a headline and it gets a, wow, good job, fellas. You did it, mate. Yeah, you got the criminals. Oh, let's smash a couple of more tinnies. And guess what? Those criminals will be replaced. They'll use a different app. They'll continue to ship drugs. They'll continue to ship arms because it is a ripple effect from the the center problem is by making drugs illegal, you allow these criminal organizations to flourish. This is the 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 underbelly of how they do their their operations. The violence is a ripple effect from this. All kinds of other money laundering is a ripple effect. Because the center core thing is, since drugs are illegal, it creates this black market. If suddenly you snapped your fingers tomorrow and all drugs were legal and people didn't need to go and meet some guy in a back alley somewhere or at some stash house to get cocaine or to get weed or to get meth or whatever the case was, regardless, putting aside, you know, health dangers just for a second, these criminal organizations would have no income. Because you would be going to some sort of prescription, almost a chemist, to buy your drugs. And when you would buy those drugs, there would be a sales tax. And that sales tax would go right back to the government as revenue. So, oh, it's starting to rain now. Hopefully that doesn't come up on the recording. But regardless. So suddenly, you gut an entire group of criminals who literally have no other source of income now. Sure, there'll be other things they'd probably get involved in with gambling or some sort of other way to to do that. But you could literally not get necessarily need to get criminals off the street and behind bars. You could gut their entire motivation to become a criminal because they can't make money off of this anymore. So the question needs to be asked, why are we continuing to fight a war that can never be won? It can never be won. We'll never get all the criminals will never all stop using drugs. There's going to be a portion of the population and there's a spectrum. On the one side, there's going to be people who never touch drugs, never in their life, no interest, completely straight, straight edge or, you know, mainstream, mainline, whatever you want to call it, who will never touch drugs. And then on the far other end of the spectrum, you have full-blown drug addicts, people who ruin their lives, people who can't, can't function normally. And both of those are on the extremes. The vast majority of people, now I don't know the exact figures, but again, this is just an opinion, but I think you'd probably agree with it. The vast, vast majority of people fall somewhere in the middle. Maybe they've dabbled. Maybe they've you know smoked pot back in high school or college and they grew out of it. Maybe they've tried a bit of cocaine out uh, you know, on a big party night or something like that. People experimented uh, using psychedelics, whatever the case may be. Some people will use drugs either recreationally, occasionally, they'll try it, and they'll move on. The vast majority of people do not become drug addicts. But we see the ones that do, and we see how horrible it is, and so we legislate for everybody. And say that these substances are so dangerous that they need to be made illegal. But again, 
I touched on this in a previous podcast, the idea of sort of liberal versus conservative. And again, I think this, the liberal opinion is more of a, uh, a different approach to the war on drugs and a conservative opinion. The status quo is, nope, if we make them illegal, it makes them go away. And it, it falls to this issue as well. If we just make drugs illegal, people will stop using them. Does that make sense to you? Because if I wanted to, I'm pretty sure I could go out and find cocaine in Byron Bay. I'm pretty sure I could probably find meth. I could probably find, uh, definitely find weed. I could find whatever I want if I sought that out. So making it illegal uh, doesn't make it inaccessible. And also, if I really wanted it, the idea of it being illegal isn't a deterrent. If someone wants to go and do coke... They're not afraid of being busted by the, the police. They might be afraid to have it in large quantities, but if someone's at a bachelor party or a bachelorette party or, or whatever, just a big night out, and someone's uh, got a little bit of the, uh, the booger sugar floating around, no one's really looking over their shoulder thinking that a cop's going to be standing right there. They're just going to go and do it. So it's not enough of a, t a deterrent. Uh, it doesn't make it inaccessible. The only thing that it does by having it be illegal, is that it pads the pockets and funds criminal organizations which have a ripple effect of criminality emanating from that very core center, the fact that they are illegal. And again, which accounts for robberies, killings, money laundering, uh, all kinds of other criminal acts based around the fact that drugs are an illegal commodity that they can trade, sell, buy, utilize, to, to, to create a way of life, to, to get wealthy. So why are we doing this? It's been proven not to work. And it's starting to rain pretty heavy now, and I don't know if it's going to come through, so I'll just leave it right there. And um, you think about it. It's something to talk about with your friends, your family. When you see a headline like this, look just slightly deeper past the glee and the joyful cops high-fiving each other and say, what the hell are we doing filling up a bucket with a hole in it?